Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. On the show with us today, Gary Lipsky. Gary, great to have you on the show. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Good. Thanks for being on. Before we get into the interview, here's a little bit about Gary. Gary has been a full-time real estate investor since 2017 after selling his company, ARC, which had a team of over 700 employees. Currently, Gary is invested in a 400-bed student housing opportunity in Tucson. He has over 1,400 apartments in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and is a key principal on a 76 unit in the Fort Worth area. With that being said, I'm super excited about our interview. Gary, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Well, um, I was uh, born and uh, raised in New Jersey and moved out here over 20 years ago. Um, on a day like today when it's beautiful out and it's all January, you know, like uh, you never think about uh, going back. Um, I'm a real estate agent in the area and I'm also looking to syndicate a couple deals uh, this year. Perfect. Perfect. So most of your background in multifamily has been in passive investing thus far, correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. So how many different sponsors are you invested in across your passive portfolio? So I've got, I'm in five deals and three different sponsors. Okay. And so where did you meet these sponsors? Um, my first one was a meetup locally that I was going to. Um, and then uh, another one was, you know, he has a pretty uh, famous podcast that I was listening to him for a while. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of it for me is signing up with uh, different uh, sponsors and just looking at the deals. And then after a while, I got, you know, comfortable or I got confident in investing in, in some of these deals. And so that's how that happened. And then the other passive was, uh, is local. Uh, local development in the area, and uh, a friend of mine turned me on to that project. Okay, and are all your investments out of state? Uh, no, I've got uh, one in he one here in North Hollywood, and um, the rest uh, are uh, out of state. So we got the student housing in Tucson, and then um, the three other passives in in like the Dallas Fort Worth area, and then the uh, key principal deal is also in that area. Okay. So what made you start looking into real estate as an investment passively versus your other, uh, versus other asset classes and other investments? Um, you know, I bought my first house in 2002 and did some renovations and did really well in that. And, uh, then, uh, I, I sold that, bought another house in 2011, did really well with that. So, that got me interested. I love the the number side of things, the creative side of like looking at something and saying, oh, I can do X, Y, Z to it and bring that much more value to it. And I felt like I was in control where, 
you know, with stocks, um, you, you have zero control over it. You know, it's not something that's, you know, tangible I could touch. Um, so I, I was really intrigued about real estate and, you know, I just uh, dove in, listened to tons of podcasts, read tons of books. Uh, I had some friends that were very successful that were in the business and, um, you know, they taught me a lot. And, uh, you know, it's a very, it's funny, it's a very giving uh, business, I, I, I'd say. There's a lot of uh, sharing of information through different meetups and whatnot. So uh, um, I've been very appreciative of the people that have helped me. And certainly I've turned around and tried to help others as much as I could. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. So when you first got um, started in real estate investing, I ask a lot of people about this on the podcast. Did you have a fear of investing out of state? Even though they're passive investments, most of your investments are out of state. Did you kind of have that worry of, oh man, what am I doing? Or what was going through your mind when you're investing in your first out of state uh, deal? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because first of all, real estate is like, you know, squirrel. There's so many different ways <laughs> to invest it. And like when you're beginning, you're like, Ooh, that sounds really good. Ooh, that sounds really good. You know? Yep. Um, so originally I was just looking in this area and, um, you know, LA, the numbers are hard to make it work. You get, you know, a three cap and, and people are bidding like crazy on, on a three cap, you know? So the appreciation is great. Um, you know, but the cash flow, you're, it's a struggle to break even. So, um, you know, I was looking, I was looking to really advance my investment opportunities and that was going to be best served out of state. So, uh, you know, I've done a lot of looking in Phoenix and, uh, and other areas as well. I mean, I love to be in a place where I can get to it, um, within six hours driving or a short flight. But certainly, I'm not going to limit myself on, on that as well. I'm going to look for uh, the best opportunity where I had the best team in place that we can implement a, a plan and uh, be successful. Yeah, perfect. So with, El with well over 1,500 units invested passively, what type of due diligence do you do when you're taking a look at a deal offering, specifically on the sponsor and then also on the deal itself? Yeah, um, you know, with the sponsor, I want to make sure they've done, you know, a bunch of deals and they've been successful and investors are coming back. You know, I ask them how many investors have, have uh, reinvested because if, if that's a low number, then something's wrong. You know, I want to make sure uh, when I ask questions, they answer me quickly and honestly. You know, I want to make sure that, you know, there's going to be uh, transparency of information um, I'm also looking for, um, uh, maybe someone else that has done some due diligence as well. I'm going to do my own due diligence, but it should do different groups of mine. I might ask, Hey, have you, have you worked with this operator before? What deals have you uh, done with him? So I, certainly in the very beginning, I, I, I didn't have that game plan and now I have a much better game plan to due diligence with, uh, with a sponsor. Okay. And what are you looking for in a specific deal when you're doing due diligence? Um, you know, every, every deal is, you know, the fees and the breakdown is a little different. You know, I don't mind paying more fees for a very experienced operator that has a tremendous track record. Um, if there's more risk, I want a, a better return. Um, 
but yeah, I'll look at I'll look at the fees. I'll look at the return. I'll look at um, where the property is located. Um, you know, I'd rather be the investments I've made have been closer to a city. I feel a little bit more confident in that versus you know uh, a tertiary market. So um, yeah, I think those are the key things. I like to actually I looked for a Starbucks within like a mile. Yep. <laughs> you know, they do have some great demographics. Um, so I, you know, I, I'll go on Google Maps, I'll go on Google Earth, try to check out in the area of the property as well. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a good point about Starbucks or even things like Whole Foods or Sprouts or, or different um, chains like that, Amazon. They all do so much data and market research. There's no need to do your own when you can piggyback off of theirs. So if you see stuff like that, that's a great indicator that there's some gentr gentrification happening in that area. So, yeah. so do you go out to the markets and, and fly out and take a look at the buildings uh, from your passive invest investments? I eventually do, but I don't do that usually before I invest because sometimes it just could be, um, you know, just not feasible. But, um, you know, if I, certainly if I'm going to be a syndicate, then yes, but uh, an active, uh, I feel comfortable doing enough research, you know, in, for my office that uh, I'll make an investment. Okay. And I didn't prep you for this question, but typically how quickly does a deal happen when you're presented it from a active sponsor being a passive investor? Is this happening in a couple of days or a couple of weeks or a couple of months? Um, usually, so they've done their due diligence. Um, you know, obviously it's under contract and um, they have maybe like a month to raise uh, funds. Um, so they'll, they'll usually with a deal, They'll send a timeline out of uh, maybe they'll give a little sweet uh, a teaser on, on the deal and say, hey, we'll, we'll have the paperwork coming up in a week or two. We're going to have our conference call. And then they have their, uh, uh, their webinar on, on, on the deal. And there's, you know, four weeks to do it. But they'll accept money, you know, because sometimes it could take, you know, a few weeks, even if you're committed, a few weeks to get the money in, to them. So depending upon how you're investing. Okay. So it sounds like there's enough time to definitely do some due diligence on a property. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. In your opinion, what's the biggest difference between a good sponsor and one that's not performing maybe up to your standards? Um, you know, I, communication is one, you know, I, I've got one, uh, a couple of deals where communication is great and you know, they send the numbers, um, and so I very, feel very confident with them. Another deal, uh, I feel like they struggle sending out information and numbers. And so I have to call and, and ask. So that, that could be frustrating. Uh, so that's key. Um, consistent communication and transparency for me. Um, uh, I guess experience too. You know, there's a lot of new sponsors out there and um, if they're not partnering up with someone that's good, you know, it makes me hesitate at times. I want to see them uh, go through, um, you know, the recession potentially. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be this business, but another business. Um, if they've owned several businesses, that's important to me. Uh, so really, how much managerial experience they have too that, uh, is important to me. Okay. Going back to the communication on the sponsor that's providing good communication, what type of um, information is on the reports that they're providing you? 
It's funny. So I, I actually get even a rent roll, which, you know, I'm not oh, wow. necessarily expecting, but uh, I get that um, where they are in the rehab, um, where they are with the uh, uh, occupancy rate, um, any major things happening. So I, I get it on a monthly basis and it's, uh, um, you know, sometimes they'll include pictures as well, which is, which is nice to see, uh, oh, we've done this to the building. We've done that. So it's pretty, you know, he, they don't, they don't, you know, just send a few lines and say, Hey, that's, that's it. They'll, they'll spend some time on it, which is nice. Okay. And do they include any type of maybe bad news is the wrong word, but any type of news that maybe is negatively impacting the investment as well? Um, sometimes, uh, I'll, I'll get that. Yes. Uh, it all depends on which property. Most of my properties are doing well, I, I guess all but one. So on the one that is not doing well, they'll, they'll share some negative news. Okay. No, I think that's important. Like you said, transparency, right? I mean, it, this is hard earned money people are investing and whether it's going well or not so well, you want to know where it's going and you want the truth about it. So I think that's really important to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I know you've invested in some of your passive deals with your self-directed IRA. Can you tell our listeners more about what that process entails? Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't have any, when I did my first investment, I didn't have any money there. If, if you do, then it's, it's fairly simple. You send them all the, the signed documents like the PPM, the subscription agreement, the operating agreement, and uh, a direction of investment form, something like that. And then boom. But for me, I had to liquidate for my brokerage account. And uh, so it was a little complicated. I mean, it took, you know, good three weeks to get to, to fund uh, the IRA, then to send it over. So it, it, it took some time, but certainly the sponsor uh, was okay with it. I was communicating uh, to them about it. Um, and I used uh, Udirect IRA. They're in uh, Irvine, California. And um, when, I had to, when I had to liquidate my funds from the brokerage, you, I had to get a medallion stamp from my local bank. So they filled out a form. It goes to Udirect, who sends it to them, uh, the brokerage account, and then the brokerage account sends them the money. So it gets it gets complicated, and I'm not doing it enough. Where each time I'm like, oh, I got this nailed down. It's uh, I gotta walk through it every time. <laughs> right. No. Uh, in a future show, we'll end up having a, um, a self-directed IRA company, a servicer, talk a little bit more about the process. So I just want to be clear there. There is a third party here. You're not doing it directly yourself, investing straight with a sponsor. There is a third party company that's called a servicer who basically takes that over and helps you through the process. Yeah. Yeah. Custodian. Um, but there are, I, you know, you can do, um, other ones that have a checkbook, I guess, um, you have access to that checkbook, but, uh, I, certainly, there are more ways that you can screw that up. So I just use the custodian. Yeah, I think it's important to use a custodian. There's, there's laws and regulations out there. And if you miss one step even, then all of a sudden your 401k will need to be liquidated or your IRA and um, you lose all the tax benefits. So make sure you hire a custodian to do it for you. They vet the deals, they vet the whole process and um, they, they're there to protect you from that. So, um, you kind of touched on it, but why would someone want to invest with their self-directed IRA? 
So for me, um, when I invest, you know, I'll get, uh, it'll grow tax-free until I take it out. That's with the traditional IRA. If I use the Roth IRA, then it'll just be tax-free the whole time. So I don't have to worry about a 1031. I may have to pay UBIT tax, but again, that's, that's minor. So tax-free growth. Perfect. How quickly do you start seeing checks come in the mail after you've invested into your passive deals? It all depends on the deal. If they're doing a major rehab, you might not get cash flow for the, the first year, but typically the deals, I'll start seeing a, a check after the, the first quarter. Okay. And have you done deals where they're heavy, heavy rehab and not seen um, a, a check for six, eight, 10 months? You know, actually I haven't, but the, the student housing I have, it didn't get leased up as much as we had. So I'm not seeing uh, the cash flow on that one. Okay. Yep. Between all of your passive investments, what is the one thing that stands out between the ones performing well and the other ones that are underperforming? So it sounds like you've only have one underperforming right now. So what yeah. is the key difference here? Um, property management. We, there's, um, they struggled with their property manager and, you know, it's student housing. So we have like six month cycles to nail it. And if you don't nail it, then you got to wait. Um, so we hired a, a new property manager and um, that, that can really, you know, slow things down quite a bit. Um, if you're going into a new territory, um, you know, if the sponsor is going into a new territory and they don't have a good team in place, that might be something that you want to look at when you're, when you're looking at a deal. If they're, if they've done several deals in the area, you would think that they have their property manager locked down and, and uh, is great. So um, for a new area for them, it's, it's hit and miss. Yep. Yeah. Property management, they're the ones executing your business plan, right? So if you don't have in-house property management, you're outsourcing it to a third party company. You've got to make sure you've got the top of the line. I mean, they're, they're literally uh, making or breaking your deal. And what a great point there on student housing. You only get one shot a year, right? To get it right. If you screw it up, then you've got to wait until the next school year to lease up. That's uh, very important. Yeah. Okay. And what would you do differently on that student housing deal? If you could go back, is there a different way you would have vetted it done due diligence or is it just, you know, something that happened and you've got to move on from it? You know, quite honestly, it was the, the first thing I invested in. And so I wasn't knowledgeable enough to look at a lot of different deals. It was someone I knew I felt comfortable with um i wanted to check out student housing the deal looked pretty good and you know maybe you know if we had a really good property manager from the start it would we would have done phenomenal with it and we still have a good chance to do really well with it but i think for me i needed to be more educated to see what else was was out there this still might have been the best deal but at least um, I, I did, you know, my due diligence much, much better. And, and, and as it has improved it, every time that I invest, I, I get a little bit better at it. Awesome. Perfect. So Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions now. All right. All right, Gary, let's dive into the final four questions. So what is the one tool that you use in real estate that you could not do without? Uh, this may be silly, but uh, my calendar, uh, I put everything in there. It keeps me on track and organized. So without um, my calendar, I would be a mess. Is that a specific app or just the... No, I, I use Outlook. Um, 
you know, you can use uh, Google Calendar or or any calendar, but you, you know, I'll I'll set reminders for you know talking to brokers or investors or who or looking at deals and uh, that I should be looking at what calls, whatever it is. It just keeps me on on task and on schedule. Yeah, that's not silly at all. Uh, could you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing? Now that can be active or passive. And what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, I guess it was my first deal. Not that it's a bomb yet, but um, not talking to enough people, not, not getting uh, educated enough. It, there's a very collaborative nature in real estate and probably in, 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 and most other things, but there's so many different meetups uh, to take advantage of, bigger pockets, you know, listening to podcasts like this, like to get so much information out there. And um, I wasn't, uh, um, I kind of jumped in, which I guess sometimes it's good. Like I didn't overanalyze, but uh, I guess that would be my biggest mistake so far. So, so hopefully, you know, that's not too bad if, if that's my worst mm -hmm. mistake so far. <laughs> yep. Uh, what is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? You know, um, keep learning, um, keep networking, and um, stay consistent. Good stuff. I think we can all do that. And lastly, where can people find out more about you? I can be reached at uh, Gary at breakofdaycapital.com or my website, breakofdaycapital.com. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing your experience and journey so far with us. Um, it's great to hear from someone who has diversified passively in a few different asset classes. And it sounds like you specifically figured out what best fits your lifestyle. So that's great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show, Gary. All right. Thanks, Gary. All right. Take care. Bye. -bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through multifamily real estate podcast, and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.